0: And so I actually ended up dropping out of high school not once, but twice. I never graduated. And while all my friends were off to college, I was living with my parents, gaining up to 16 hours a day in their basement. I remember I was
1: I was drunk when they handed me my son in the hospital. They didn't know I was drunk. I worked with people who could stay abstinent from crack cocaine and then they went back to prison because they could not stay abstinent from marijuana.
0: They will send inappropriate pictures, primarily of their body parts. Our teens will send back their naked pictures or partially naked pictures. I had overdosed in eighth grade. I think that was shortly after I was suspended. Our teens are going through their hardest life transition in a world of rapid change and information anarchy. These are their stories and the advice from experts dedicated to helping them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. This is Beyond Risk and Back. I'm Aaron Huey. My guest today is Rob Lohman. We're talking about interruptions, interventions, and disturbing the addict's environment. Let's get started. Rob, how you doing? Thank you very much for being here.
1: Yeah, it's awesome to be here. It's uh, always good to hang out with Mr. Aaron Huey, so...
0: Thanks, man. Let's jump in. Uh, I know that this is a question we get a lot. Uh, I still get asked to do uh, interventions quite often. Uh, Up until recently, uh, I was doing two or three a week. Uh, I saw that you're doing interventions we have a small history together so I brought you on because I want parents to get their questions answered about interventions and transportation Uh, when you have a kid who needs to be taken to a facility and you know they won't go with you who do you get for that so I want to be able to touch on all those topics but first Rob uh, give the parents a small snippet of your story how'd you end up here doing interventions and transportations
1: yeah, it definitely wasn't something that was on my uh, childhood dream list of jobs, right? <laughs> but but um, you know, I, I started using it at 14, and and uh, it was a big it was a big drinker, partyer, drug guy, gambler, just kind of anything that took me out of feeling the way I was currently feeling, and it was obviously all a, a facade, but that's what I was believing the reality at the time, and that went on till I was 29 years old, and for me, it was um, attempted suicide that uh, led me to the rooms of recovery. And that was my big eye opener. I didn't, it wasn't a whole lot more needed. You know, I went to a recovery meeting in the morning on uh, June 8th, 2001, and people were laughing and having a good time and talking about recovery was amazing. And last night I tried to kill myself. So um, I believed them and just been on the road to recovery. Not that it's been easy, but for the last 16 years and, uh, you know, done a lot of, you know, 12 step calls, as they call it in the rooms of recovery or, sponsoring people been sponsored um just a lot of ways to uh to get into living a sober life and um that kind of led me into one day just figuring out that I may as well make a profession out of helping people and that drove me to you know getting trained getting certified and i love what i do now because i work with a huge variety of people people that have been incarcerated addicts their families it's all it's a family disease right so uh pretty much work with a huge range from you know, young kids to you know, people are in their 80s, so it just uh, addiction does not discriminate.
0: So here you are on the flip side, finding as many ways to help families. Uh, I was fortunate enough to speak at an event that you hosted, um, where you were pulling a lot of people in the industry together to to act as a forum for families to show up at any time of the day and just get some input. Uh, I met a lot of amazing people at your event it's how i ended up with this podcast is by meeting kristen walker and uh, johnny calloway at your event um yeah. why i'm extremely fond of so now we're on the intervention side now we have a family that has tried to talk to their kiddo the kiddos in complete denial and they've seen the tv shows they've seen these intervention tv shows they've seen the the movies where everybody's sitting down in a circle reading letters they wrote and there's some um you know uh Hyper calm uh, person in the room who's able to maintain control and everybody's crying and stuff like that. Is that what these interventions are? Let's. What is an intervention? How do you see an intervention? Do you see it differently, or is it like what the parents are seeing in the movies? Is that what they're going to get?
1: You know, it's. I, I would say it can be similar to what you see on TV. Uh, the bottom line with you when you watch TV is that there's cameras. They know they're a part of something. So it's not, you know, as as simple and easy as that. But I mean, you, you get parents that when they reach out to me, they're calling me because they're in a desperate situation, you know, their loved one, their child is going going down this path and they have no idea how to stop it. And so they reach out and they try to find someone that says, hey, can you help at least navigate this process or give me some guidance or or do the full-blown intervention from start to finish and get my kid to treatment? So, I mean, there's a huge variety in, in so many different ways that I've sat down with people from the whole family to you know, 10 people, which is way too many for an intervention to just meet mom at a breakfast shop with their son there and having a conversation with them there. Just wherever you can find them because they're out and about doing something somewhere. So it, it I'd say there's no one way to do an intervention because you're dealing with dysfunction and it's trying to reel people in and give them the tools to say, here's how we're going to go with this plan. And we might start out with plan A and we may go all the way down to plan you know, F in the process, but we have to be able to call audibles, be adjustable, and just trust the professional, trust me in the process.
0: What do you mean by call audibles? Explain that to to families.
1: So we have plan A, which is we're gonna to try to get, you know, little Johnny to come to the intervention and, and he's hopefully gonna show up, but he doesn't. He goes AWOL, he's gone, he's out with his friends. He didn't come home last night. You know, nothing happened. So we have to figure out how do we adjust the plan Cause intervention in my mind is a process, right? How do we now adjust the plan because he didn't show up or they ran out the front door. And so when I talk about audibles, it's like we have to be able to adjust the plan according to what's happening in the moment.
0: So I feel like there's, there's, it seems like there's, there's two kinds of interventions. There's the surprise intervention, which I've been a part of. And there's the invitational intervention, which I've been a part of where, like you said, you invite Johnny to breakfast with mom. Mom says, Hey, we're going to go meet this guy. He's going to talk about some of the ideas that we're having as a family, as we work our way through the struggle. Johnny says yes, or Johnny says no, but it's no, I don't see too much of a difference between that and the interruption versus. Version or the surprise version, where so and so walks on the door thinking they're going to Disneyland and surprise the whole family's there with uh, letters and there's a lot of tears and everybody's really uncomfortable and they say what's going on yeah. and uh, somebody that they don't know says hey my name is you know Billy the therapist uh, I'd like you to have a seat and uh, it begins um, with you, so you're saying you can do both you can do either do you see one being more effective than the other
1: oh well, that's that's a great question. You know, the there's always I always say that the let's let's say the 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 troubled teen or the addict, whomever we're dealing with at the time, you know, they're always like upset to see me in the beginning. Of course. And I always I always tell them was like, Hey, look, I know you're probably pissed, you're not excited to see me, you don't know who I am right now, but let me just explain a little bit about why I'm here, why your family's kind of brought me together. And you know, people hate me in the beginning, but if you if you listen to what's going on, just have an open mind to options to get, help get you on the right track. Then people typically really like me in the end. There is. I do, a, I do a lot of coaching with people too. So.
0: Yeah, there's a there's an image of what rehab looks like: a bunch of people in hospital yeah. gowns walking down hallways, and you know, or sitting in old chairs, smoke filled rooms, talking about their problems and stuff. Some people not talking. And I think one of the one of the benefits that I have when I do interventions is that uh, the families are in my facility, and my facility doesn't look or feel like that at all. It's a very comfortable environment. A lot of kids running around. They're having fun. They're talking with each other. Uh, it looks more like a hotel uh, lobby than it does a hospital. And the rooms look like dorm rooms. The kids have it all decorated with their pictures and stuff like that. So I get that added bonus. When the kid starts asking questions, are there any questions that you're afraid of or that you navigate carefully when they say, well, where am I going? Because I assume you come to the intervention with some ideas that you've already worked out with the family.
1: Yeah. I mean, the best way to have an intervention flow is, you know, the family's involved. Every, everyone's on the same page because it's not going to go well. If you have mom, mom's on one side, dad's on the other side. So,
0: so you've worked with the family already before you ever meet the yeah. kid. Okay.
1: Yeah. So there's, there's a process. I usually try to have at least 10 to 10 to 14 days to work with the family because if they call me and say, Hey, here's the, here's the situation. I've done them within, you know, within 12 hours before, you know, but I prefer to have time to prepare because it's a big deal. You, some people feel like they only got one shot, right, to to go at helping their loved one to You're get right. help. You know, so it would be like, okay, let's see, who, who are the ones that care most about your son or your daughter? Let's just, let's say we're talking about teens here, mm-hmm. your son or your daughter, and who would those people be? We talk about who are their friends, what do they do? You get a real huge history from each individual. So I'll talk to each person individually, a part of the process. And, and sometimes the stories, as you know, Are similar. Sometimes they're completely different. So I'm like, all right, where's the discord here? And I'll bring them together and say, all right, here's based on what I've talked to everyone about. I'll go through and I'll research, you know, give you know three to four suggestions on places to go. Because I don't get paid by any facilities, right? I'm on my own. I get paid by the families 100%. I don't get a kickback or anything from any facility whatsoever. So we we identify three to four facilities that could work the best. Sometimes people have insurance. Sometimes they don't, Right. you know, not that they have insurance. It's going to cover everything. You know, you find out that's unfortunately doesn't cover as much as we wish it would with the epidemics that we have in our society. But even you look at incarceration with behavioral health with kids, teens that are just behaviorally off and they can't get on the right track. Well, we sure as heck don't want to be going to the system because there's no real rehab that happens there in my right. opinion. Right. You know, so we get it to a quality facility and, and so when I present the information and we set the meeting up with, with the child, with the you know, son or daughter, we'll say, hey, look, man, your whole family, we put so much time into figuring out a place that would work for you with your interests that you like. It's a good facility. I'm not going to throw you into a van right now with a bag over your head and just take you down by the river and tell you about how to act better. Right. Because these, these are things you all know, but we just want to figure out like, why is, I know your pattern doesn't want to keep going this way. So I try to really connect immediately with with the person and just say, look, man, I know I use drugs and alcohol from 14 to 29. I was in and out of jail for MIPs and getting in trouble here and there. And, you know, I, I've done time in prison and sobriety because I just messed up, you know, in sobriety. It was just uh, more of a getting off kilter on the, on the mental side of things. If you know what I mean, you're not working a good program. You're not balanced with your family and with life. And so it's not just about not using drugs or alcohol. It's not just about this. There's so much more to live in a balanced life that we, so I'll just, I'll share a lot of my experiences with them. Like, wow, man, you're kind of a real solid person. Like, and I don't look like a guy that would have been, you know, doing the stuff I'm telling them about. I'm like, cause I don't do that anymore. Right. So I really try to connect with them, but there, there's a process. Like you got to get the family on board. You got to get the plan. And then you have options because when you do an intervention and there's nothing set up, like yep i'm ready to go to treatment i'm ready to go get help you know i'm ready to go to fire mountain i'm ready to go wherever it's like uh okay hold on a second yeah let me get on my phone now we got to get things verified and set up. I'm glad you're excited, but it's going to take two weeks.
0: That is that is one of the biggest mistakes I've seen in intervention um, is not being ready to go the moment you hear the yes. And when I say ready to go, I mean walk out the door. The facility is ready. You might have even called the police to let them know that you're doing an intervention. Um, the kid says yes. We'll get the clothes later. Don't let the kid go to their room to pack. If you do let the kid go to the room to pack, you send two people to watch the kid pack so you can see them. Yeah. What is packed? Because uh, trust me, an addict will try to sneak it into the facility. Oh, yeah. Trust oh, yeah. me. And they can put it in places that people can't search. So either people are watching or you don't even go to the room. You've already packed something else you need later. Um, but you walk out that door when the when the kid says yes. If the, if the addict says, all right, you're right. I need help. I'll do this right now. Leave. That's not the yeah. time to figure out where to go. So I like that 10 to 14 days that you're going to spend – with the family beforehand to make these arrangements, um, and during this time, you're calling facilities, making sure beds are available. You're you're you really are weighing if the kid likes art, you find a place that really focuses on art. If the kids weigh into being in the outdoors, or if they really need some self-reliance skills, maybe you're looking at a wilderness program. Um, you know, maybe the kid does need a lockdown facility because they're used to running. They they the moment they start to sober up and the pain that they've been masking comes back, they they. hit that door, they hit that fence. So you got to have a place where when they hit the door, the fire alarm sounds for 15 seconds before the door unlocks. And um, so you really do have to figure out what kind of facility and you've got to interview the facilities. Is that something that you do or do you expect the parents to do that?
1: So I, it's based on a network of, you know, facilities I, you know, I prefer and like around the country. When I find a new one, I'll vet them. I'll go out and visit them and, you know, try to step on the ground. Or get a referral from someone I really, really, really trust. Um, but it's it's really, like I said, Taylor, I mean, I always wear tennis shoes to an intervention just in case they do <laughs> And it's just to have a conversation, not because you know you can't put hands on anyone or tackle them. It's just literally, it's like running alongside of them, and just saying, how how far can we go? Because that's why I try to stay in shape so I can, <laughs> I can keep that up. But, I like um, that.
0: That's a good way to say it. Wear tennis shoes to the intervention because there's a there's a good chance the person's going to really freak out and and hit the door and someone's got to go with them. Um, this yeah. is also why I recommend the police, having been called before, to just say, hey, listen, we're at blah, blah, blah address. We're going to be staging an intervention and we might call later. And I have heard of police departments actually parking one of their units at the corner just to yeah just be around. So I like that. I like the wear, wear tennis shoes. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and you're yeah. also saying that you don't restrain you, you will not tackle and drag yeah. them back.
1: No, because I mean, there's all sorts of things, liability, this, that, and the other, especially if you're dealing with minors or, you know, even a 60 year old guy or a 40 year old you know woman, it's, I will never put my hands on anyone or, you know, anything like that. It's just, it's conversation. And if they decide to take off and just run and, and go, you know, it's it's these are all the choices of our, you know, we have to look at our consequence of our choices. Right. Sure. We chose we we've tried these methods. You know, I'll, I'll um, speak with families and, and I mean, it's hard too. it's it's that bottom line. Like you said, when they're ready to go, you know, it's the thing of like, well, I, I need to pack my clothes. Well, we got that. covered. I need to say goodbye to my dog. Well, we're going to have that covered. My answer is always like we got that covered. We got that covered. We got your work covered. We got your job covered. We got school covered. It's all covered, man. We just need to go right now. Right. Because if you, because if we wait, what's going to happen, you're going to start coming up with a plan and then you're going to want to just take off. I'm like, this is your chance to, I always say, this is your chance to invest in you, not your parents telling you what to do. This is your chance to invest in you and who you are, not for anyone else, but only for you and come out. And if the end of this, if you feel like it was a waste of time, then it was your decision, but go. Give it a shot. I wish I would have gone at your age, you know, and just, and I'll always go back to, I wish I would have done this earlier because of my right. story and
0: you all know, those things. Question. Um, and I, and I've seen both ways. I've seen both ways successful and I've seen both ways make it worse. Um. Your kid says, yes, you get into the car, you've already got the, the duffel bag of clothes uh, uh packed and everything. The kid's playing along. They ask to take their cell phone. What do you think they want to, they want to have their cell phone with them on the ride to the airport and in the airplane and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. So the one thing, like when I do trans, when I transport, like transport for me, is I, you know, take my client to the airport or to wherever and I'll transport them. Cause we get a chance to talk and bond. Sure. Of course. You know? And so I'll, I'll just have the conversation like, Hey, just, you know, not being nosy, but just since we're on our way, like, you know, what, who you texting, like, is it really urgent right now? Why don't you wait till we get to the airport? Okay. Because, because you think about like they got their phone and they're texting or whatever because because you want you want to get them and the goal is to give in the car and get them there so if they got to text someone or whatever they're doing you know i don't who really knows i'm like but what i what i don't want you to do is texting your friends and like saying hey i'm going to treatment whatever i'm doing this like this is why i, I don't necessarily try to tell them like hey we're going to atlanta or we're going to los angeles or whatever they kind of hopefully they'll figure that out when they get to the airport right because I've heard stories of people like, hey, they're sitting there sending text messages and stuff. And it's like, hey, we're going north on Kipling, you know, meet me at whatever. And then your buddy's texting them. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm up here waiting. And they get to the stoplight. And,
0: and they bail out of the car. The car and
1: bailing. So I try to keep it all more of a mystery. Um, but, you know, I've, I don't really have the thing where I say, hey, you know, grab a cell phone and we're just going to keep it in the car. Because I think there's. There's pluses and minuses, I guess. I would say I don't. I don't have a rule like when I'm transporting someone, to say, hey, put your phone away until we get to the airport or whatever. Um, I I would prefer to just say, hey, why don't you give me your why not you give me your phone until we go to, whatever. But since they're willing to go and they're in the car, I'm just kind of glad they're on the way. And then I'll say, hey, who who are you texting? Like you're texting a bunch right now. Like I'm totally not. This is between you and me. Let's just hear what you're communicating about because what I don't want you to do is talk yourself out of this. Right. You got a great or opportunity. Have a friend to say, talk you out of it, or yeah, or have a friend or something to say. Hey, but you know something happened with Sarah. Best, so I I try to get them off of that. And I've had someone say, Hey, just give me your phone. Like, just give me your phone. Let me just hold on to it till we get to the airport. Okay. You know, and Then um, we go through security. We're checked in. and We're on our way.
0: That's a okay. That's a good one. Um, you you talked earlier about qualifications. In your opinion, what kind of qualifications does a intervention uh specialist have?
1: Uh, I think you know. Training and supervision is huge, you know, because um, you got to know how to you got to know how to work the room too, because it's 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 definitely a skill on to the point where it could be the color of clothes that people wear. I mean, you got to find out who's the who's the enabler in the family, who's the biggest person that's the confront that it has the confrontation with the individual in the family, you know, who's gonna speak up and just be the hardcore person in the family. So you got to kind of know who everybody is in the in the process, and that's just doing a lot of training on reading people, you know, feeling people, understanding the psychology behind people and also life experience. I mean, I'm, I'm a former addict, you know, and I know how to smell baloney in a room in a heartbeat and just, you know, and I've had to kick an entire family out of an intervention before and say, Hey, all right, everybody out. I need to just talk to, you know, we'll just use little Johnny again. Well, I just need to, you know, talk to, I don't know why that keeps coming to mind, but person a, (laughs) We'll call it the subject. The subject. I, just need to talk, I just need to talk to the subject real quick. And, you know, and I'll just say, hey, all right, man, let's just talk real. Because obviously there's a lot of tension here, which is why we're in this spot. So what do you want? And I've had grown men and young young people just break down and just say, I'm just tired. I'm just exhausted about this. But I don't want them to have the upper hand. I'm like, all right, well, this is your chance to take the upper hand just say, you know what? I ain't doing this for you guys. I'm doing it for me. Right. And so... So, I mean, to kicking a, I've had to kick a dad out of the intervention before. And I tell them all this in the beginning, like, hey, let me manage the intervention. I might say stuff that will upset you, but don't take it personally, please. Like, I'm trying to win your son or your daughter or your wife or your husband over to right. get them to go. So, we'll debrief everything afterwards. And if it's the thing where it's like he's ready to go, we hop in the car, we go. We might not debrief till the next day.
0: Yeah, I think the moment you have some family member, uh, and I'll just use Uncle Subject A, who who That's just it, right.
1: are, you know what you need to understand is that your
0: behavior is destroying this family, and they've, your parents have spent so much money, and now they've agreed to do this, and look at your mother's face—you're causing her—and and yeah, <laughs> that doesn't yeah. help. It, it doesn't. That doesn't help, and and Uncle So and So Subject A needs to be booted from the intervention.
1: Yeah. And that's why that's why we do that's why we do the letters. That's why I have the um, family really. I give them a good. format on letters. I give them guidelines and say, look, the reason I need, and that's why I like the ten to fourteen days because I say I don't want you just doing this right before. Like, right. I want you to really think about the questions that are listed, the concept behind what we're trying to do, and really formulate your thoughts and get it down to a page. And that's we. The page is good because I mean. They'll get the point as you're reading through how you love them, how you hurt them, what you want them to do. But when, when uncle a of subject A is getting off course, I'll say, okay, you know, uncle a, I I need you to get back to your letter, please. This is why we did the letters to take the heightened emotion and arguments out of this. And then what happens when I do that is subject a is now looking at me like, Hey, this guy's got my back. Yeah. Like this guy, this, this isn't just about me. This is like, the whole family unit. And within that 10 to 14 days, I start giving the family tools and say, look, I need you to start going to this meeting. I need you to look into this. What's in your area. Like you got to do some work too.
0: So the intervention is they really have to control this conversation because if Literally. family starts losing it and someone says, Hey, you need to get back to the letter. This is why we had you do it. We're, we're not going to argue here. This is not a moment for, for spitballing or, you know, firefighting. This is, this is, we're, we're going to read the letters and then we're going to see what little Johnny wants to do here. Now, when Johnny okay. says no, the intervention keeps going, right? You don't, yep. you don't quit until it's a yes.
1: No, yeah, you, know, you don't, you don't quit. But also like, even with a part of what I do with coaching and everything too, is uh, like an intervention I had a few weeks ago was that with a 32 year old, you know, husband, his wife, two daughters, um, you know, the daughter and the mom and the daughter basically are hiding in their bedroom because of his drinking and the wow. way he acts and scares the family and stuff. And so, but we're sitting there and he has friends, you know, that were in recovery, you know, great. He had a great support group like a beautiful, I mean, it was the most probably for me, the most emotional. And I, I try to keep myself together as a professional. But it's hard to like I just want to ball sometimes with yeah. them because it's there's so much important stuff being said. You know, when we get to the end of the intervention and it was like, you know, so every time he said no, you give him a chance to kind of say yes along the way. He's like, I'm not going. I'm not going. He was just adamantly not going and has to do it his way. And, you know, so we so I basically said, okay, if if you're not going, there's a part B to all this, too, which I don't even like to get to. I rarely get to the part B, which is the boundaries and ultimatums, if you will. Um, I said, all right. I asked his dad, I said, would you would you take him outside real quick? Because I need to talk to the rest of the family real quick. And I said, you know, we talked about bottom lines and people were starting to back out a little bit. Yeah. I said, look, we have to. We you have to hold this piece. Like he can't just come home and have it be normal. You know, he can't just walk back into the house. And ultimately it was, you know, he wasn't allowed to come home that night. Da, 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 da. But I started coaching him like two days later. He agreed to meet with me to start coaching, you know, and he'd been sober like for a week already. And was like, I got this. And, but, but it's a process. (laughs) the old, the old addict,
0: I got this, I, I I got this, I can do this. On my own yeah
1: yeah and I've recently fired by him as, as the coach because he didn't want to do any of the work and right didn't like direction and stuff but for me it's a process because I can still work with the family now I can still help the other loved ones and it's not always gonna go the way we hope it to and I love it when I walk in and the person I mean the best one was he you know, rolled out of bed we had to, we had to at the home because he was always gone so everyone's there in the living room he rolls out of bed comes out and he's like "Oh man he just looks around. I mean, Obviously, people on the podcast can't see me, but he looks around and he's like, oh man. He's like, let's go. I've had yeah, those let shoes. Let me get my shoes. i were wear, it. wear it. And off.
0: Yeah, a kid comes into the facility with the parents and I sit down with them and I say, are you okay? How you doing? They're like, this is not what I thought it would be. And I'm like, oh yeah, what'd you think it'd be? Thought it'd be hospital type environment. It's like, yeah, that's not us. And they're like, yeah. I just want to get started now. I don't want to go through this. Let's just go. Let's just do it. Can I just stay? Cool and it's like god yes I, yeah, know, how, yeah. <laughs> I know what's going to happen next your life is going to change forever and it's that's wonderful but I've also had a roll out of bed uh, w- uh, with a 16 year old girl she rolls out of bed I'm standing there in the living room with mom and she looks at me looks at mom says what the F is this and mom says we yeah. need to talk about the drug use and the girl bails out the window barefoot into the snow into the darkness and oh. I gave chase for a minute but uh, the, the uh, you know, rules with minors are very clear. You can even only chase so long because if she's running from you, or if he's right. running from you and gets hurt while running, it's because you were chasing them. So I had to call off the chase. Police were called. They come racing around the neighborhood. It was a mess. Like like that one was was the worst. But I I've seen the entire spectrum. The the people who intervene themselves the moment they see your face, and the people yeah. who bail.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah, those are you're right. I mean that's the thing and. And with the, uh, what you were saying earlier, which is why it's so important for parents I and mean, hearing this to understand, like you can't just roll up to a facility and say, here's my kid, take him. Nope. You know, they have to, pre, even after intervention, they have to call the facility and get pre-qualified, you know, qualified, even though they've done most of the work already, but they have to talk to the subject and say, Hey, we're, you know, we need to screen you to make sure. And, and I've had people say, look, your, his use isn't, it's not bad enough for us. I'm like, listen. And so we go through that, and it's like, well, of course, they're not going to share all of their use or of all of their behavioral issues. Uh, but it's support it's for parents to know you can't just roll up to a local treatment center and say, here's my son or my husband or wife or whatever. Take care of them, please.
0: Yeah, it doesn't like, work. Well, that hey, way.
1: We, we don't have a bed for two weeks. We need to do a professional screening. What's your insurance? Oh, if verification
0: of benefits, yeah. the VOB, a lot of stuff has to happen before you get in this 10 to 14 days that you're talking about, Rob is a big deal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's key. And, and again, that's the, just the training and i you know, and, and I love it when I meet, I love it when, cause I'm totally open to like help other interventionists and like be a sounding board for them. They're like maybe getting started in their career or whatever it is because they need that expertise. They need that help. Right. And when I meet, when I meet other people and they're like, I'll never, help anyone or give any advice to anyone because it's competition or whatever. I'm like, look, dude, there are a billion addicts out there, a billion kids that need help that have behavioral issues and they all need. So a little handholding and a little guidance. And so, you know, guys, what you do and I do, it's like, we're never ever going to go out of business because unfortunately addiction and behavioral issues are never, ever going away.
0: Yeah. I, t- I tell people that the, the moment I'm not needed means I succeeded. Because that you know that the moment there's not adolescents who need recovery who need a facility mi- like mine means we won that we finally beat it, and that's yeah. not coming anytime soon in fact, it's getting worse, not better. the opioid epidemic is off the chart and so that this competition crap it doesn't uh, that piece is unnecessary. There are too many people to need help for any one of us to try to hold the cards against our chest. We will we yeah. need to get out there and let people see. All right. Yeah. So I got a question about this transportation stuff. So yeah, yeah. there's a I I know of a story um, as a facility. I've only take a couple of kids on transport. doesn't mean I wouldn't. It just means that the kids who generally need transport do um, don't end up coming to a facility like mine. They need to be very far removed out in the middle of nowhere or under some lock and key stuff. If you are afraid... Now, I'm talking about the type of transport that that is licensed to restrain the kid if the kid tries to run or the kid is in handcuffs and leg cuffs. And there are transportation... Organizations that provide those services that have the insurance to cover it that that they're they're the men and women who work for these things are very skilled in in non lethal restraint um, and I know these words are very terrifying to a parent who's listening to this going I don't want my kid in cuffs but quite frankly and we all know this there are some that need to be while they're on the way to get the help that they need so that they can live so that their life can be saved. Um, and these are the types of transport services that can also find your kid. For example, uh, I knew of a kid who ran from a facility in Montana and hitchhiked their way back to Boulder, Colorado, and were in a store in Boulder, Colorado, and suddenly a police officer shows up and two guys uh, kind of surround the kid, and one drops a bag over his head, and next thing you know, he's in back of the van, and the police officer's saying, it's okay, this is a, a legal restraint, and he's on his way back to recovery and stuff like that, and that is messy because it ended up in the newspaper but I've also you know uh, a kid wakes up at two in the morning and there's a couple of people standing in the room and they say hey kiddo we're going to a facility in California it's it's time and we're gonna go and they are able to restrain the kid if necessary and they do so with a lot of love and a lot of attention to detail and a lot of um, very careful behaviors Um, but you and I were talking before the call that that's that, that restraint thing. That's not you.
1: Uh, no, I have no desire to do that whatsoever. It's, uh, like I said, there's reasons people do certain things and they're good at certain things. So when that's necessary, you call them up and say, Hey, here's, here's what we got going on. We need, we need your help. Um, but yeah, that's definitely not something uh, I dive into. I'm more of the, Hey, they're ready to go. Let's have great conversation in the car, the plane. And I learn a lot about them on, on, the, this train the sober transport piece of getting in somewhere because they open up okay like, hey, this guy's pretty cool i'm pretty laid back you know i'm not a threatening looking guy but i'll definitely get into the aggressiveness if i need to and the sure. verbal piece and just calm people down but um, for the most part yeah i mean tr- there's a lot of conversation that happens during the transport even in something as crazy as what you're talking about you know after they get to where they're going or they they realize okay i'm not getting out of this one they'll breathe a little bit maybe and Hopefully, open up to some of the junk too that's going on in their world. But of I love doing the transport part. It's there's a lot of goodness that comes out of it. I think.
0: So but you can. Could- you can transport long distance by plane, trains, and automobiles. Um, it's it makes sense that the transport takes uh, place in a public environment at some times. And I've also heard of people transport services who will literally drive your kid across country, and there'll be three people: one driving, two in the back seat, or one in the front seat, one in the back seat with the kid. And yeah. uh, they hit hotels along the way, and one of them sleeping, blocking the front door. And you know, it's it's just they they've got their routines in there. And I think you said it well, if that's what's required, then you call those people and you and you find yeah. the people who are, uh, who are uh, uh, qualified to do that. Now, one thing I want to say, this is kind of funny. It's also not funny. But when parents are looking up online to find a transport service, make sure you use the word transport and not the word escort because you're going to get up a whole different kind of web pages that you don't want to see and you don't want on your server. Um, Good point. You know, Rob, I'm looking at this and I, and I kind of have, I kind of have the final thing. And, and this is, this is the DIY, the do it yourself stuff. Um, Because I've known parents who've done it themselves by Googling, uh, uh, you know, doing an intervention at home and stuff like that. Um, The first thing I want to say is that there's a reason to bring an expert in. You know, it's to facilitate the conversation, it's to provide the transport, it's to keep, you know, Uncle Subject A, who likes to shoot off at the mouth and decide that he knows what this kid should be doing and, you know, blah, 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 to ruin the intervention, to make it worse. Yeah. Um You need someone who knows the facilities, you need someone who's um, skilled at having the conversation with the kid and uncle so and so and can flow back and forth. You need someone who's gonna know the roles of the family. And you need someone who's not a family member to um, be able to see everybody's BS, to really be able to hold everybody accountable and who's not going to get caught up in the addict story. Because I tell you, there is no greater salesman on this planet than an addict. They, can, no, yeah. they will take the shirt off your back and sell it for crack. And it, you will feel sorry enough for them that you'll give them your next shirt too. And that's the way it goes. So you need someone who's not caught up in the story, who's heard the story a thousand times. And um, there are families that might need to facilitate this on their own uh, because they can't afford this type of stuff because of timing, because of emergency, for whatever reason. So they go online, they start Googling it. And you, throughout your conversation, I've been writing some of your your points of intervention that I want to bring up as kind of the things that you need to consider when you're considering hiring or doing one on your own. Uh, the mm-hmm. first thing is my favorite thing you said is the 10 to 14 days and using that time to figure out the kid, figure out the facility and to get to know the family and to get to know the family's roles, to know that if you're going to invite uncle so-and-so that he might shoot off at the mouth. Yeah. Um you're, we're talking about uh, inviting family members that care the most. You need to have three or four facilities uh, in mind, so that uh, depending on the person's reaction, um, you need to wear tennis shoes. I, that that one's going to be a mantra for mine for a while, Rob. I like that. Wear tennis shoes to the intervention. You let them have their phone at the airport. If you're going to decide to give them their phone, they can have it at the airport. Um, Have the families write letters about what they love about the person, what's been really hard to deal with and how uh, their actions have affected, you know, the person reading the letter or the whole family, because you have to have controlled conversation. And then you talked about having part B and you just alluded to it, but I want you to talk more about it as we wrap this phone call up the boundaries, the bottom line and the ultimatums. If they just flat out say no.
1: Yeah, and those there's such a wide range to the to the part B and you know, families in the situation don't like to hear about boundaries. Yeah, because they don't they don't want to see their part in it at all.
0: Oh, addicts you know, just, hate boundaries. Yeah, addicts hate yeah. boundaries, and family members hate boundaries with addicts. Boundaries yeah. is such a key component to unlock the door of understanding addiction.
1: Yeah, yeah, and working with the family sometimes is a lot harder than working with the addict um, or the subject too, because. There's, there's so much codependency that goes on that if, if subject gets better, then there's nothing to control. Right. You know, so, so in the process of that, when we talk about boundaries, I mean, again, there's such a wide range depending on if, you know, young children are involved or what the situations are, or what their careers are, or whatever it is to, you know, if they're a pilot or whatever, and they're using, there's a lot of repercussions that can come from that. But that's why there's professional programs that can help pilots or doctors or professionals get back on track. Um, I think the boundaries piece, you know, I always building up to this. I always talk about if we're gonna set boundaries with the the addict, we also have to understand boundaries in the process. It can't just be to cut them off or stop paying for this side or the other or kick them out of the house or change the locks. It's like, I need to hear you say in the intervention that you are going to be doing some work also. And that really helps the addict out to be like, oh, wow, mom and dad are going to be doing some work. My girlfriend's going to be doing some work and that's part of the boundaries that, you know, if you like, I'm no longer going to be paying for your car and, and your phone and your food and everything that you're in the basement for. And, but when they're under 18, they have a legal obligation to take care of their child, right. Up till they're 18 years old, you know? So there's,
0: Oh, there's still be- cars and cell phones and stuff that's getting oh, yeah. for. So I, I still think I still think even for for youth, you got to figure out everything that you do that enables this child to continue the behaviors. You got to figure out a way to stop doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, you do, and that's and so so the word boundaries. We there's all sorts of ways depending on the situation to reword that. Right, but but it can be they have to figure out and they have to be able, want, willing to stick by it. And they have to each in the family be willing to support the other person in that, you know, it might be, I'm not going to, I'll no longer receive phone calls from you. I've had people, I'm no longer receive phone calls from you after 5. PM because you're always drunk, you know, after five, you can call me during the day because you're sober, you know? And so it's trying to figure out like what, cause it's, it's hard to cut a family member off or to stop the cycle. Just, At the day of an intervention, because they have no help, they've had no counseling, they've had no coaching. They don't know how to do. They don't know how to not pay for their kid's phone because they've done it for so long. But what if he dies? And I, and these again, they're all suggestions. I will never say you have to do this because what if? I say, well, one of your boundaries is, you know, Aaron, you have to cut your, you you have to quit paying for your son's cell phone. Okay, and then something happens where he didn't have a cell phone, and he died, or something was really bad, and they come back and say, well, you told us. To cut the cell phone Sure, off. of course. And now my son's dead because you told me to do that. I'll say, you know, these are all suggestions, but we have to figure out what they are. And you have to be willing to hold up to them if we get to point B. Like, you can't back down. Like, if you did, you just wasted paying me money to do this. Or you've wasted your efforts in the process. But there's, I mean, there's a lot of material online, like how to do an intervention. Yes. You know, how to write letters for an intervention, you know, and... You figure if you're, if you're going to put your own time in as a family to do that, you have to figure out time to value, you know? It's like you could spend 100 hours researching facilities, but every facility is going to tell you they're awesome, they're amazing, they could take your kid, most of them. If they're good ones, they'll say, you know what? I don't think he's the right fit. We don't take runners because we're not set up for that. You need to go to this place that will accept your child because they run from every facility they go to. So why waste your money sending them to us when you know he's just going to take off? Right. So, so I just say, look, you've, you've already spent and they call me a hundred hours researching this. You said you've done this, you've done this. So you've got, you know, 150 hours wrapped up up in this already when literally we could have gotten that wrapped up to help me guide you and make your life easier. But families can do it on their own. It's just, they miss the buffer, which is me. They miss the neutral guy that, like you said, sees the whole picture, not caught up in the emotions and the hurt and the pain it's cause in the process. Um, so using, so using a professional interventionist to come in and help navigate the process, I think is, is a huge in it. There's a cost one way or the other, right? You know, so it's either, okay, wait, call, call me and call me when you're ready. Well, he just got a DUI last week. This is like, this will be like months later this
0: happened.
1: <laughs> Four months later they called and say, well, he got a DUI, he wrecked the car, getting sued by this person. Now and now we got $15,000, for the DUI and everything else. We got to get them in a treatment tomorrow. I'm like, well, okay. And I don't say we should have done this four months ago, but, but the reality is when people call, there's a, there's a pain that has to be addressed. And when they wait and they don't do anything about it, it just gets worse.
0: Two things, two things I want to ask you first is uh, as I was researching for this conversation, I saw a quote a few different times and I cannot find its source that said using an interventionist um, creates a success rate of 90%, or some, some other facility would say uh, 90% of the time when using a professional interventionist, um, it's successful. So I'm seeing this 90% thing, and I'm wondering if that's accurate.
1: You know, I would say your chances of having a successful intervention definitely go up when you use a professional. Um, you know, 90% of them, I mean, I can't say 90% of the ones I've done have been successful, but how do you define success, really? Right. Is it they went to the is success that they said, I'll go to treatment? Well that's that's great. They went to treatment. But for me it that's just the beginning. You know, the the success is when they come out of treatment and you help the family and the addict plug in through coaching and just keeping people on track. So you're that talking to about success.
0: Right. So you're talking also about wraparound services. You're talking about it has, about, to, be. It has it, to be. It has to be. You're right. Yeah. So you're not just with the family to get the kid into treatment. You're no talking way. to the family while uh, the kid's in treatment. You're talking to the yep. kid while they're in treatment. And then after everybody lands on the flip side, you're there for support as well.
1: Yeah, and I I make sure that, you know, the the client signs an ROI so I can be involved with the therapist and the case manager and the aftercare plan and say, and I can share information with them that was shared with me in the process. Like, you know, I'll send the letters to the facility that the family gave me, you know. And the best example of something like this is that the subject, the addict, is only going to tell the person at treatment what they want to tell them.
0: Say that again. That so
1: the, the, so the addict is only going to tell the person they're working with in treatment, what they want to tell them. They're going to reveal their past as they want to reveal their past. Right. And because we're master manipulators and hide those things. Um, and the best, the best, you know, best case I'll tell you about is I had to help the family and it was kind of a sort of a pro bono type thing for a coworker that had a, someone that really needed some help. So I offered my services and, we got through this process, and I knew his whole past, like, you know, in and out of jail, multiple fights with older men because he hated his father. Just all this stuff was intense, you know, stuff. And he goes to the facility, and, you know, the, um, at the last day, his therapist said, well, you know, you know, I just happened to ask the question, like, well, you know, is there any legal stuff you're worried about or have you ever been arrested or anything like that? he said, no, never been in jail, like, this was as he was sitting with his girlfriend to leave the facility. And he never once talked about any issues with his father, any wow. issues with getting in fights, anything like that. And he, I just told him afterwards that you just wasted 30 days. Like you could have used that time And 30 days is whatever it's. I think people should go for six months <laughs> to really get a handle on their past. But, but he didn't open up at all. So I tried to encourage him, leave your junk at the facility. And I tell the family when I'm working with them, when they're at the facility, I say, get your junk out of the way so when they get back, you can have a healthy relationships. And then we get on track with a serious aftercare program. But if you don't offer wraparound services, it's just a bandaid. Personally, I think it's treatments done. And, you know, I see people, I see people that don't plug into programs, maybe sober living or, you know, or different living opportunity besides going back to their parents' house. Cause they're still toxic. Right. Cause I'll talk to the facility and say, look, mom and dad haven't gone to one meeting. They're not doing any work back here whatsoever. This kid needs to go somewhere else or stay there longer because he's going to walk back in and get just as messed up or worse than he was before. Because I'm talking to mom and dad, you know, every couple of days and they're not doing anything. I'm too busy to go to meetings. I, yeah. I haven't been able to go to the therapist and it just doesn't work.
0: Okay, it's an ab, It is an absolute requirement for parents of kids in our facility that they participate in the parent program. And it is not, ours is involved. It's very, very involved. So listen, Rob, I, we're, 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 we're coming to the end here. How do, uh, you know, parents have listened to this. Teachers have listened to this. Therapists have listened to this. They decide they want to uh, get their, get their uh, uh, clients or their families or their kids involved with Rob Lohman. How do they find you?
1: Uh, one I'm, I love when people just call me is nine seven zero three three one four four six nine. You know I call you back ASAP if I if you leave a voicemail. The other one is you can go to my website specifically that deals with this and it's called liftedfromtherut.com. com. That's liftedfromtherut dot com. It talks about coaching and intervention services that I do. And um, I'm launching a few more things coming up soon, too, that people can tap into for resources. But uh, phone calls, I think, are the best way. Um, Just have a quick conversation. See if I'm even the right fit. Give the phone number again. 970-331-4469. And I have a huge network of people, too. So I I always say if I'm not the right fit, I'll get you the right fit.
0: Hey, Rob, are you thinking about putting on another one of your big events?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking at... uh, So I'm actually launching a whole new website. It's not done yet. It might be done by the time some stuff gets out there, but called the Addiction Recovery Hub, theaddictionrecoveryhub.com. And that's where I'm going to kind of funnel everything that I do, um, like the Navigating the World of Addiction event and the Transformational House. I'm opening up my podcast, like everything that I do in one central area so people can just go there. But it's not officially launched yet. It might be by the time people hear this. Uh, But uh, that's something I'm trying to centralize to give people resources to really bring stuff in a central place
0: keep me in mind for the next event so i don't have to hunch down
1: (laughs) you'll you'll be doing the you'll be doing the parent boundary section and uh, i'm so down on board i'm so down hey
0: i got some footage from the last parent weekend i'm going to want to send you because i had a professional film crew in it
1: sweet man well you're doing awesome work up there and uh it's fun to have a partner in the field out there like you that i know is a uh, reputable resource so
0: Agreed. It's time to get you to come on up and uh, visit Fire Mountain so you can see us as well.
1: Yeah, I got. I just got to make a weekend out of it so I can, the family can come up and we can kind of relax. Because that's why I proposed, and my wife was up at uh, up in Estes Park. Well, so.
0: No kidding. Well, if you need some room and board, you let me know because I've got uh, I've got uh, some uh, some options for you.
1: All right, sounds good, man.
0: Rob, uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here and talking about interventions and uh, interruptions. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Rob Loman. His phone number is 970-331-4469. 40- yes. 970-331-4469 is the phone number. Yes. Thank you. Folks, remember the mantra. You take care of yourself first. You take care of your adult relationships second. You take care of your children third, because in that way, we can do our best work with the kids. This is Aaron Huey signing off. I want to give thanks to the boss goddess, Kristen Walker, Emily, mm-hmm. the editor, and my guest, Rob Loman. And we will talk again soon.